Section 27 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford. Section 27. Mehmet the Last of the Mastodons, Part 4. Five more years passed, five bitterly cold winters and as many hot, dry summers, which latter baked the meadowland and burned the grass into hard wire. The herd was but a handful now, nine old withered cows and one vigorous young giant bull, their leader. Time had scored deeply in its final accounting of this once mighty race. Cold, drought, hunger, and other destructive agencies had done their work thoroughly and well. Only ten mastodons now survived to answer the last muster. And yet, the count had stood at ten for several years. In that period the herd had suffered many hardships, but it had incurred no further losses. Although facing extermination, the mastodons seemed to be dying hard. For five years the herd had followed their new leader, now a sturdy giant, young in years, old in experience. No beast of hillside, forest, or meadow dared stand for a test of strength and skill with the tusked fencing-master. Mammet was a fighter, but things had come to a pass where brains were needed far more than skill or brawn. The first two years of Mammoth's leadership were a determined effort on his part to grapple with the insidious forces that were slowly but surely accomplishing the herd's destruction. Panthers, wolves, and such enemies could be fought and mastered, but there were other foes that worked unseen and drove the young mastodon almost to his wit's end. It finally dawned upon him that lack of proper nourishment and the extremes of climate were in reality the herd's most formidable enemies. He discovered, too, that their food supply depended mainly upon climate. In other words, mastodon troubles were all a matter of intense heat and bitter cold. Both worked great physical hardship. Also, they discouraged the growth of soft green food suitable for teat-crowned teeth. The fourth year of Mammoth's leadership found him and his charges in southern Michigan. They had passed an unusually comfortable summer there, but all green things had now begun to wither, and the nights were intensely cold. A change of season was at hand. The time had come for the herd to move on. Move on? Yes, but where, Mammoth asked himself. The cold seemed to blow down from the north. Winds, which blew occasionally from the south, were as a rule much pleasanter. Where else to go but away from the cold breezes and towards those which mastodons most favored? Mammoth guided his charges south. For a time it seemed to the young leader as though the direction he had chosen promised little relief. Food was still scarce. The wind blowing from behind him grew colder each day, and yet he was shrewd enough to note that he was going away from, not toward it. The time might come when it would change, so he kept on. 
many other animals were moving in the same direction as he short-haired creatures and birds too if the mastodon had misjudged others had likewise misjudged but it appeared to him that the majority opinion was more likely to be right than wrong day after day the march continued veering westerly to accommodate it to the southwesterly flow of the wabash river the mastodons followed the line of this river and were therefore assured at all times of an ample water supply suitable for bathing and drinking purposes gradually almost imperceptibly the air grew balmier as they plodded on although dormant the river vegetation was tender and nourishing the herd began to move on more leisurely and finally after having journeyed many hundreds of miles they settled down and proceeded to enjoy themselves there were none to tell them that they were now passing a comfortable winter in southern illinois and that at the same time the great lakes region lay prostrate beneath snowdrifts and bitter cold it was enough to know that the fertile country north of the ohio river was satisfactory as to food and climate and so there they stayed with the passing of many months came discomforts resulting from a gradually rising temperature animals that had gone south with the mastodons began to drift back northward the winter had ended spring was at hand mammoth knew not the why and wherefore of these climatic changes but his judgment still favored the majority opinion back again he piloted the herd to summer quarters in the north the cool breezes were now pleasing where previously they had been displeasing mammoth had begun to understand now he knew north in summer south in winter face to the cold winds each spring back to them each fall and the spring and fall signs he learned partly from the movements of other animals but more particularly from the contrasts in plant development when the bare trees budded new leaves or when their foliage fluttered to earth in showers of golden yellow red and brown in this manner mammoth acquired the migrating habit to replace the hitherto aimless roving about in search of food and bodily comfort he shifted with the seasons and each move was made in the right direction at the proper time the summer which followed the herd's first northern migration was an unusually hot and dry one north and a bit more of it seemed to be in order so mammoth ventured far up into michigan where he and his companions were rewarded by a most comfortable sojourn on the shores of lake huron fall was late in coming but when it did come the sudden advent of cold breezes sent the mastodon scurrying south in short order for a time all went well the herd passed through michigan safely and kept on to the headwaters of the wabash river in indiana here the country appeared to have undergone a marked change this region had for some time been experiencing the greatest rainfall in its history day after day the sun had remained hidden beneath great cloud banks which poured forth their moisture incessantly the ponds and lakes filled up until they could hold no more every creek and river overflowed its banks the rainy season had ended when the mastodons appeared there but the lowlands of indiana were still thoroughly soaked before mammoth realized his mistake 
he had guided the herd into the very heart of a region abounding in bogs and sloes the young leader soon became aware of his predicament and called a halt traveling through such a nest of traps would never do mastodon feet were broad and well suited for supporting great weight on soft ground but it was straining a point to place too much dependence upon them in these rain-soaked lowlands of central indiana mammoth surveyed his surroundings anxiously in the distance to the west the land surface inclined gradually upward bogs and mires were less plentiful on high ground as compared with low according to his experience again he ordered an advance but now instead of south or southwest his course was directed due west never did animal more carefully choose a path than did the young leader now gingerly making his way over that sodden soil he seemed to be walking on eggs so deliberate and cautious were his steps suddenly a scream rang out in the distance behind him he stopped and looked back poor eyesight prevented his seeing the one who uttered that scream but its tone was familiar and his nose told him that its author was an old-time enemy he stamped his feet angrily and trumpeted a defiant call which rang over the meadow and was answered by a second scream the voice was that of a cougar Mamet retraced several of his steps even as his companions passed by him and moved on he had rolled his trunk aloft and assumed a fighting posture an absurd and useless performance for no cougar lived who dared venture within range of a fighting elephant the herd feel no anxiety about the skulking cat better had mammoth attended strictly to business for now his companions had gone on without him the latter was an unheard-of occurrence but the cows had become alarmed by the distant screams and were hurrying rapidly away mammoth's fighting spirit was now thoroughly aroused his brain seethed with old memories of cat screams and a scratched trunk he waited but no enemy appeared this inaction on the cougar's part exasperated him but now he became aware that he was alone he should be leading his charges instead of lagging behind wasting his time with a cowardly cat so he resumed his way but even while doing so he could not refrain from trumpeting a last defiant call to the cougar far behind him better had he watched the lurking danger ahead than that which skulked behind his caution slumbered and for the moment he forgot all too late came the awakening his feet suddenly sank into the treacherous ooze the mire demon seized him with sucking grip and held on like death in vain mammoth strained and tugged he was stuck fast here was no chance for him to make use of his great strength and suddenly it flashed upon him that a mastodon caught in the mire need expect no assistance from anyone would the herd help him he gazed in their direction despairingly but by this time they had passed over the high ground and were beyond sight or hearing vainly the mired mastodon continued his struggles to free himself and then as though fate were determined to permit him no chance to escape rain began to fall softly at first but soon pouring down in torrents 
Finding his efforts useless, Mamet ceased struggling. He was cold and exhausted. But as he rested and recovered his strength, there came over him a wave of the old fighting spirit, the kind that fought with brain even more than brawn. The morass which gripped his limbs was a small one. He could almost touch its sides with his trunk. A single step forward and he would be safe. He attempted to pull one forelimb free and make that step. The effort shifted his weight to the hind limbs, and they sank deeper. Try as he would, he could pull neither one of them from the mire. It was like lifting oneself with one's bootstraps. Mammoth finally gave it up. His escape must be made in some other way. The morass was a ditch about twenty feet wide, several rods long. Mamet stood like a bridge across this ditch and in the center of a thick mass of rushes. If these latter were only trees, something substantial, his escape would have been an easy matter. He curled his trunk about a clump of these rushes in a vain effort to pull himself free. A single tug uprooted them. He flung them down in disgust. He repeated this performance, but with no better result. Mamet eyed the uprooted rushes gloomily. At the same time, the thought was growing upon him that, although the rushes might be too flimsy to cling to, they might be used in some way to support his weight. It seemed a forlorn hope, but he saw no other, and anything was worth trying. Night came on. The rain kept pouring down. The body of the mired mastodon might have been mistaken for a large boulder, it stood so still. The head and trunk, however, were in constant motion among the rushes. They seemed to be thrashing about in the death agony, although there were no despairing shrieks nor dying groans. Finally, head and trunk became quiet, and the mastodon lay, or rather stood as one dead, his legs buried in the mire up to his knees and elbows. The rain stopped just as the night blackness began changing to morning gray. Mammoth still breathed. As the darkness lifted and permitted a clear view, the morass appeared much changed. Most of the rushes had vanished, or rather, they had been mysteriously uprooted and piled in a great heap beneath Mammoth's chin. The heap was much greater than appeared, for a large part of it had been packed down into the mire, forming a mat, supporting the mass above it. The first gray streaks of dawn had no sooner appeared than the young bull took a deep breath and lowered his head until its full weight rested upon his chin and the green mat beneath it. The mat sank deeply as Mamet leaned forward and settled the entire front and heavier portion of his body upon it. The whole pit surface rocked beneath this tremendous shift of weight. Muddy water shot up into Mamet's face as his jaws settled down against his chest. The raft of rushes protested with loud gurgle and sighs, but it held firm. The mastodon's neck began to bulge. His back and shoulder muscles rose up in huge knots as he strained forward. Cords and tendons tautened and became cables, which threatened to erupt through his crinkled hide. 
the veins stood out upon his forehead like tree rootlets his breath came loud and fast the morass trembled to its bottom as the huge elephant challenged it to a test of strength but still it held on it was as though the captive's feet were clutched by the sucking tentacles of an octopus determined to retain its death grip and not permit such noble prey to escape but mammoth's power was now being applied to good advantage with an even greater grim resolve urging it on it was a test of strength between giants mire versus mastodon the two forces directly opposed each other and at first no apparent motion resulted then gradually the tide turned in favor of the determined mastodon not for an instant did his tense muscles relax slowly almost imperceptibly one hind leg emerged from the engulfing slime a loud sucking sigh and the foot came clear for a forward step the other hind limb was treated in the same slow and labored way the struggle then shifted to the front limbs trunk and tusks were still anchored on the green mat which as a point of leverage had thus far performed its part well one after the other the two front limbs were freed and advanced this was accomplished only after tremendous exertion for the mire demon held on to the last straining desperately to retain its hold the advance small as it was brought mammoth's trunk and tusks within reach of the pit rim and solid ground his main task was now completed although to make escape certain he must repeat his first performance and make another advance this he did after what seemed to him an eternity of squirming and heaving slowly painfully but surely he dragged himself out of the trap the mire demon sighed and groaned then settled back an inert mass as though acknowledging itself beaten and content to take no further part in the tremendous struggle once clear of the morass mammoth turned his attention to the western hills the herd had gone in that direction it vexed him to think that they would go without him but perhaps it was just as well that they had not lingered in the low boggy country now he must hurry after and find them although tired and sore he allowed himself no rest but set off at once past the last of the quagmires and up the sloping firmer ground when he reached the end and top of it he saw before him a broad expanse of rolling country a line of trees extended across the horizon the herd was nowhere to be seen a bitter disappointment for he had expected it that somewhere on this broad elevation his comrades would surely be waiting for him they had been there their great footprints were plainly visible in the rain-soaked ground but they had passed on the trail pointed toward the distant line of trees mammoth began to experience feelings of uneasiness the herd was without a leader they were a handful of timid old animals and would soon be getting into difficulties with no master mind to watch over them he hurried on at his best gait to overtake them as he lumbered over the slippery ground another feeling came over him to add to his anxiety 
it began to dawn upon him that he was alone the thought gave him keen mental discomfort he needed companionship as much as the herd needed his leadership he was beginning to think it a very dreadful thing to be alone and without friends as he approached the line of trees he heard a low hum which gradually increased to a muffled roar as he drew nearer it was not a noise made by mastodons but something else and yet it came from where he expected the herd would be mamet felt a sense of impending calamity he quickened his pace and charged through the line of trees the roaring noise became deafening the mastodon caught glimpses of waves and dashing spray as he crashed his way through the woods in a few moments he had emerged into the open and stood upon the bank of a river once the peaceful wabash now become a raging torrent the night rain flowing from every one of its tributaries had filled it to the brim in a few hours the modest stream had become a mighty engine of destruction great trees torn from their anchorage by the driving flood were hurled upon the tossing billows like straws waves jostled one another or collided in showers of spray as all strove at the same time to find passage for themselves down the onrushing current it was a tremendous spectacle to look upon an inferno of sound to listen to mehmet shrank back appalled the herd had perished there he could see their tracks leading to the river none from it and then as he stood trembling with anxiety and great dread a voice rang out above his head he turned and looked up there on a low-hanging branch crouched a gray-furred animal with a bushy tail and fox-like face it was lodor the raccoon one more chattered the little beast but he who lags need expect no favors the others have crossed but now you must await your turn crossed how mehmet felt as though the world had been lifted off his back the herd was safe then his anxiety was relieved they swam across loder replied it was easy to swim across before this flood came but look at it now mehmet looked again he suddenly felt so light-hearted that he could view the roaring river from a much altered standpoint it was indeed a terrifying spectacle but now he could enjoy it for the herd had crossed in safety for some time the mastodon and raccoon gazed in silence at this remarkable scene never had mammoth gazed upon anything more wonderful but at last he had his fill of it the herd awaited him somewhere among the trees on the opposite shore he was now ready to move on he descended the bank and put one forefoot in the water lodor on the branch above him chattered loudly and danced about on the limb when he saw what mehmet was doing have a care he shrieked if you go any nearer to that water you will be drowned mehmet paused the words of the raccoon sounded in his ears like death to attempt a passage of the river in its present swollen condition would be the act of a fool courting destruction he sickened with disappointment yes he must wait before he could rejoin the herd they were so near and yet so very far away 
for the whole of a long day and night too he chafed and fretted with none but lodor and the roaring flood to bear him company finally when he had become half crazed with impatience the slowly subsiding waters permitted him to pass after an exhausting swim through the swift current he landed far below the point from where he started here he began a frantic search for the missing herd but now he had lost the trail and try as he would he could not find it in vain he dashed here and there with nose to earth no trace could he smell or see mammoth halted to collect his scattered wits his anxiety was approaching panic his hopes were dashed and now the gloom of the woods weighed upon his brain like lead it was a terrible feeling this loneliness he felt that he would go mad if he did not soon find his herd then the thought of what they in their turn might be undergoing sobered him their predicament was even worse than his he could take care of himself but now they had none to watch over them and guide them the right way the herd had been traveling in a westerly direction probably they still held to it mammoth headed west battering his way through the trees into the open a flood of warm sunlight welcomed him before and on both sides of him appeared a vast gently rolling plain it extended to the distant horizon it seemed destitute of life except for a clump of bushes in the foreground there was not a single object to be seen upon its surface as mammoth strained for a glimpse or scent of his companions he saw several of the bushes move he bellowed with joy the bushes were animals mastodons no doubt his herd the sight was enough to fill the lonely mastodon's heart almost to bursting with a scream of rapture he galloped forward at full speed in a few moments he and his companions would again be reunited all seemed to have gone well with them during his few days absence but just the same he was grimly determined that never again would he permit them out of his sight they need their leader he thought and i need a herd now that they had suffered no harm he was also thinking that the brief period of separation had given him by far the worst of it he was rapidly nearing his goal all of his companions were there awaiting him their heads were lowered it seemed to mammoth that they had grown smaller their legs were thin and peculiar looking he slowed up to a trot and took a long whiff of them through his nose the odor was not mastodon he came to a sudden halt as the truth dawned upon him this was not his herd these trunkless tuskless creatures with spindly legs were something else mammoth stood gazing upon them appalled by his overwhelming disappointment for an instant the bison herd with horns lowered returned his gaze then with one accord all turned and fled like the wind away they sped an avalanche of shaggy bodies and galloping hooves not once stopping to look behind them gradually the flying mass merged with the western horizon and only a haze of dust remained to mark the direction of its flight finally the haze floated away leaving the plains absolutely bare of stirring life 
even the tusked giant standing motionless with eyes straining westward the lone mastodon without a herd end of section 27 recording by rita louise 2019 ann arbor michigan